2 Kings chapter 2, and this, I'll read verses 1 through 14, and this pertains to uh, the transfer of God's authority and power from Elijah to Elisha. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would open our eyes and uh, open our ears so that we might hear your voice speak to us. We thank you, Father. In Christ's name, amen. Now, this is a lot... And obviously, you can't cover everything. There was a lot of very interesting and ima uh, creative and imaginative uh, happenings here. And uh, I wanted to use an illustration where you see so clearly the supernatural being presented to us in this world. Because we live at a time where we ourselves just don't see a lot of the supernatural occurring. We see evidence of God at work, obviously, and that alone is supernatural. But this is just so otherworldly. Yet, even though there are so many things in here to talk about, what I wanted to talk about was something that's rather innocuous. 
I could talk about the whirlwind. I could talk about uh, Elijah being translated directly into heaven. He and Enoch, they alone have had this happen. And yet we can talk about the Jordan being parted, how it parted both ways, once for Elijah, once for Elisha coming back. There are so many things, the transfer of authority. Uh, and yet it's funny because when I read the, uh, Matthew Henry's commentary on all this text, he didn't even reference what I wanted to make manifest to you. And I think in part it's because it's kind of a common phrase that you read in the Old Testament and at times in the New. And so what I wanted to comment on was, is found in verse 12. Elisha just saw what happened. He cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. That's what I want to comment on. A very mundane aspect of this incredibly supernatural occurrence. Why did people often do this? You read the Old Testament and it's done over and over and over again. Why do people rent their garments? They do it for a variety of reasons. They all have a common thread, but first give, let me give you some of the reasons. First, they'll do it because of distress, and I think that might be why Alicia does it here. They can do it for mourning sake, death, and then they rent their garments. Uh, Job, if you remember, did that. They could do it because they repent of something, fall before God in repentance, or they can do it because they're angry. And so what do those things, and, and those are probably only uh, some of the illustrations, but what do they all have in common? It's emotion. They're caught up in a strong emotion, distress, repentance, anger, mourning. They're being strongly moved by emotion. And so they're so strongly moved that they yell out and they, they rip their garments apart. I guess that's what happens when, when uh, one of these superheroes like Superman changes. It's the emotion that's driving him to become the superhero. But so that is what we have here in this renting of garments. You have these people that are expressing strong emotion. Elisha had been with Elijah probably for several years because he was uh, appointed to this role years earlier when he had fled from Jezebel after Mount Carmel. And yet there's no more word of him until this transition period right here. Now, when you hear about garments being torn, there's a phrase that comes to mind that I've read in the Bible, and it's kind of common. And actually, I think we might even say it from time to time in various readings that we have or in songs. But the text is, rend your hearts and not your garments. That is a quote from the book of Joel. And let me read to you from that quote. It's in Joel chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. So Joel, in the spirit, is conveying 
the proper response to God, and that is repentance. And the day of the Lord that he's speaking of is yet to come, and I'll refer to it now. There's another illustration of the rending of garments, and it's from Matthew 26. Matthew 26, starting at verse 62. Let me start at that verse. Jesus is standing before the high priest. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man coming at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, He is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him, and others struck him with the palms of their hands. So now, in Joel, the coming day of the Lord, Joel commands us to, at that coming day of the Lord, do what? Repent. Humble ourselves. And yet here it is, the right on the edge of Christ about to be crucified, and what is it? What is the high priest's response to this coming day of the Lord? Anger. Another of these reasons that people tear their garments. Now, I want to share something with you, though. Leviticus 21. Leviticus 21, and I'll read verse 10. He who is the high priest among his brethren, on whose head the anointing oil was poured, and who is consecrated to wear the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor tear his clothes. The high priest violated God's law right there at the moment when he was most angry at Jesus for having declared himself to be the Son of God, or at least admitted to Caiaphas that he was. And at the beginning of what I read from Matthew chapter 26, I read this, and the high priest arose and said to him. See, the high priest had been seated until he heard what Jesus said. And then he's getting angry because Jesus isn't saying anything, or actually he's angry because Jesus isn't saying anything. And he stands up and he challenges him. And then Jesus responds, and now he's even more angry. And he rents his clothes, forgetting all about the fact that he is not a mere man when he's standing there. He is the high priest. He's the only, the only person on earth that ought not tear his clothes. And yet he does it. And it just seems to me to be illustrative of the fact that he is proclaiming that he is no longer the high priest. Jesus is now the high priest. He's taken his place. Christ is responding properly. The high priest himself is responding improperly. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Now, we are to approach God in this table reverently, humbly, and yet, these are not only outward acts. There's an inward aspect to this. When we come before God, it is from our heart that we are to be faithfully following Him and obeying Him. 
But yet oftentimes, the outward doesn't conform with the inward. The inward doesn't conform to the outward. We put on a facade, and yet we come here not willing to set aside the sins that plague us, not willing to be resolved to fight against the temptations that we find ourselves giving into. That ought not be the case. God granted Elisha the privilege of seeing Elijah taken to heaven in this chariot of fire, a tremendous privilege that he had received. And so Elisha had persisted in city after city following him. Elijah would say, Elisha, you stay here, I'm going on. And what did Elisha say? No, where you go, I go. That's what we're to do. We're to follow hard on Christ's heels, to go where he went. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your having filled our world with purpose, and yet too often we forget that purpose. We don't live it out uh, daily as we ought to. We aren't as persistent, and persistence pays off. Lord, we thank you for Elisha's example in following hard upon Elijah, his master. And we know that Elijah then, after they'd crossed that Jordan, turned to him and said, what do you want? What do you want God to give you? And Lord, he was willing to give it to him. So we thank you that we have this example of persistence paying off. Lord, grant us a hunger to please you, a hunger to follow hard after you. We thank you for the fact that you stood before that high priest and abolished uh, worldly religion. Lord, you are to be uh, commended above all for having uh, become the reason religions exist on the earth. And so we thank you, Father. We thank you in Christ that you have abolished all earthly religions that fall so far short of elevating you to that position that you uh, fulfill in our world. And we thank you, Father, that you have established instead uh, Christianity that falls at your feet and proclaims you to be our Lord and Master. We thank you now, Father, and ask you to draw us close to yourself as we come near to you and partake of this uh, food and wine. In your name we pray. Amen.